Welcome to the 26 West Church Sunday Gathering Podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching helps you experience life in Jesus. If you're uh, new to our church, we're in week three of a series that we're called Helping People Experience Life in Jesus. And for those of you who are new, this is the theme of our church, it's the mission of our church, and uh, we want to remind ourselves of who we are as God's people, and we do this each September because it's when school comes back, and it's when life gets back to normal, and if you've just poked in this week, no big deal, we want to start by a little review, uh, helping people. We looked at Luke 10, we looked at the Good Samaritan, and we reminded ourselves that we are called as God's people to value people to think of ways to value people, to do things that value people. And we want to be the kind of people that encourage others to value people practically. So here's the goal this year, that you and I would grow in practical love, tangible love for the people seated around you, the people in your community group, but it doesn't end there. The Good Samaritan is the reminder, everyone breathing is our neighbor. The people we disagree with, the people that seem strange to us, the people we feel uncomfortable around, we want to grow in valuing them. Why? Because they're valuable to God. And that was week one. The second week, we looked back at Luke 6, where Jesus prays all night, and then he takes of all of his disciples, 12. And what does Jesus do? Empowered by the Spirit, Jesus calls them to become his apostles, which we know are simply his messengers. Twelve are going to represent him more profoundly than others. And what does Jesus do? Not only does he call them, he changes them. He's with them. And we want to grow in helping people experience life, to remind ourselves we are called, each in our own unique way to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus wants to change, transform Renew us to become the people he created us to be. But not only that, Jesus teaches them. He takes the 12, and for the last bit of his life, the last two and a half years, he pours into them and teaches them his way. Why? So that they can teach others, and then Jesus sends them out. So we want to help people, value people, experience life, know the calling of God, the change that God brings, the teaching that God brings, and the sending that God brings. We want to be that kind of people. And then obviously the last bit is in Jesus. So, okay, to, to end out our series, what does it mean when we say we're going to value people, we're going to help people experience the life of God in Jesus? Well, to do that, we look at the Bible, right? So go in your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 10, and we'll start in verse 38 and read to the end. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, 
but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And then if you read on in chapter 11, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Okay, so when you look at anything in the Bible, you want to look at what comes before it, what comes after. Jesus is going to teach all of his disciples, you and I, how to walk with God. There's this encounter in the middle, and before that, I think it's interesting that you see the, the story of the good Samaritan. What's going on here? Luke is a historian. He's trying to get us to see what might not be obvious. If you say you love God, you're called to love neighbor. And so Jesus wants to stretch us in loving our neighbors. So love isn't just about feeling. It's about action. It's about doing. It's about being the people God created us to be. And that's part of our vision and mission. We want to be God's people, serving Jesus together. But in the middle of that, before he teaches all his disciples how to pray, we get this little nuance about the importance of focus. So what does it mean to experience life in Jesus? And what does this encounter teach us about the in Jesus? What does that look like? I think we just see it in the contrast. It's really simple and really straightforward. Martha, how is Martha in the text described? She's described, as many of us should be described today, distracted. Totally distracted. Distracted by good things because in the Middle East, those of you who are in that culture, have been to the culture of the Middle East, you know that there is nothing more important than hosting well. Your entire life's reputation is on the way you treat people who come into your home. So, so Martha is honored to invite Jesus and to have him accept the invitation into her home. And as the lady in the house, her and her sister, have the profound honor of caring for Jesus and for everyone else who's come in to listen to him. This is, this is a huge honor, and she doesn't want to disappoint. So in this meeting where Jesus is present, Martha is doing the right thing, but Luke describes her as distracted. In her culture, she's doing what's right. But as we see in the kingdom of God, she's doing what is less than good. She's, she's being a good host, but she's missing the point. Now, that's Martha distracted. How's Mary described? The, the text says Mary is sitting and, and Mary is listening. And that's where we see the contrast. Now, side note, this isn't the main point, but it is a point in Luke, and so we should, we should point it out today. In the culture that they're writing in in the first century, um, women were not seen as equal. As a matter of fact, in some circles, in many circles, women were not worthy to be taught. Now, you may get repulsed by that, but this is the culture of the, that's going on at the time that the Bible is being written. But Luke writes what? That where is Mary? Sitting. What is Mary doing? Listening. She's a learner. And Jesus does not reject her. As a matter of fact, Jesus elevates Mary and uses her as the example. And this is just a good reminder that when we see the heart of God, we see that Jesus lifts up, even in a culture that looks down on women, Jesus is the one who lifts them up, is equally valuable in God's sight, and he is thrilled to have guys who are learners, Jewish rabbis would mostly have, guys sitting and teaching them, and women were on the outskirts, but Jesus has one 
of his daughters front and center. And, and the good news of Jesus brings value and worth to men and to women. And we'd be smart if Jesus elevates the value of women. We'd be wise to do the same. Um, it's nice to get zero amens. <laughs> but let's go back to the text, because that's actually not the main point, but that is a point, and it's worth looking at. Okay, so you have a comparison. Martha, responsible, busy, serving, doing, helping. That's good. Mary, sitting, learning, at the expense of her job. As, as Martha's sister, Mary is responsible to get the hors d'oeuvres, to make sure everyone's covered, to make sure everyone's cup is filled with water and, and everyone's having a good time. But she fails at her job as a hostess in order to sit at Jesus' feet. And Mary rightfully leans into Jesus and says, get her to help, she's lazy, or she's distracted from what's most important, and Jesus will not. Now, as we look at this in the big picture, here's what this is not. This is not Jesus teaching on the value of a contemplative sitting life compared to a life of action, but Jesus does want to make a point to show that service is not as valuable as leaning in and learning from him. So you have the Good Samaritan, love God by loving neighbor, but then Luke points back by the Holy Spirit, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Few things are needed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it's not going to be taken away. Okay, so... What does it mean for us to experience life in Jesus? It means that we honor Jesus more by listening to him than by excessively serving in his name. And there is going to be the tension. So how do we step into a Mary-like life? A life that is filled with options, but a life that's filled with focus uh, three words, write them down. They're so simple, they're easy to miss. We are to be with Jesus. Now that just sounds simple. Be with Jesus. That is the point of the comparison of Martha and Mary. They're both in the room. One is with Jesus. The other is serving at the expense of listening. And this sounds simple, but it's hard. And how many of you can relate to what I can relate to, that even in the trying, being with Jesus is hard work. Actually stopping to be with Jesus is, is work. It takes practice in the real world. It doesn't automatically happen. So what is it going to take for us to help people experience life but in Jesus? It's going to require training and discipline. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales, this is an older leader speaking to a younger leader. But rather, train yourself to be what? Godly. For physical train, training is of some value, a good reminder to many of us, but godliness has value for all things holding the promise, both for the present life and the life to come. So Jesus honors Mary's discipline. Her training, her priority on listening over getting caught up and distracted by what's happening around because Jesus is only in her house 
for a certain amount of time, and she wants to hear every word and wants to lean in. Now, here's the good news. We've got 2,000 years. We are fortunate. From the time of the writing of the Bible to now, we, we have 2,000 years of reflection on how. Because it's easy to say, be with Jesus, but how? Like in our modern world, and thinking about 2,000 years of people following Jesus before us. What do we see in the Bible? Because not, I mean, I could say like, well, you know, walking my dog is helping me to be with Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, going on vacation and leaving the stress of work helps me to be with Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. Chocolate, massive amounts of chocolate. Dark particularly with peanut butter always. Helps me to be with Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. I want us to look at nine things that we actually see in the Bible itself that give us the gateway to be with Jesus. And it's training. All of these require something. It's discipline. They don't happen automatically. But they are God-given gifts. These aren't the only nine, but these nine are in the Bible. And I thought we would just start there to launch our community groups this week so that you and I in homes can begin to talk about how are we doing at practically being with Jesus and are there some gifts that God's given us that we haven't thought, thought about yet? I'm going to call them, because they're called the disciplines or they're called practices. I'm going to use the word practice um, because it's less often used and it's descriptive. It requires what? A practice requires practice. You actually have to do it. You don't just have to talk about it. We need to practice it. Two things about the practices, though, and then we're going to get through them. We're going to look at all nine really quick, and then I'm going to invite you to talk about it this week. Uh, the practices are not the goal. So what I'm about to list out, if you're a list person, a person who, who does well with order, you need a clear, clear checklist. It's not a goal, and it's not a checklist. The aim is to have these avenues to be with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is the goal. Time invested learning from Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, is the goal. So these disciplines or these practices are gateways. They're opportunities. It's like, it's like a gym. You know, when you go to the gym, if you go, it, it, it's not about the treadmill. It's not about the stepper. It's not about the weights. It's about health. And so all of the apparatus, uh, apparatuses, apparati, appa whatever, the stuff in the gym are gateways. And you know what? You use multiple ones to work out multiple parts of who you are, but the goal is not the gym. It, it is a life of health. Okay, so what are the practices? Uh, I'm, I'm not doing these in order except caveat. Number one is number one. Number one is scripture. So I'm not, the rest are not in any like definitive order, like this is the way you need to do it, or these are the most important to the least important. But the first one, in my humble opinion, is the most important, because if you don't start here, the rest won't make sense. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture. How much scripture? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here's the takeaway. We are with Jesus by listening, learning, and what's the next word? 
applying the Bible, knowing the Bible is helpful, doing the Bible is the goal. That we would live into it imperfectly, slowly, ups and downs, peaks and valleys, yes. But that we would grow in the practice of, of Scripture. So where do we begin? We begin by going to God because every bit of the Bible is helpful for life. And some's going to inform us, it's going to teach us. Some's going to train us, it's going to remind us of what's right and good. A lot of the Bible is going to correct us. Why? Because there are lots of things that we hear and believe that aren't true. And so we come to the Bible to learn from the Bible the ways of God. So I think this is where we need to start. So the question I want to ask you, how often are you engaging with the Bible? Listening to it. You say, I'm not a great reader. No problem. We have audio. You can listen to the Bible as you're doing the dishes. You can listen to the Bible as you're driving into work. You can listen to the Bible as you're walking the dog. You can listen to the Bible in the middle of laundry. We can listen to the Bible. And then when something sticks out as we're listening to the Bible, we stop. We pause. We, we rewind. We listen again. We read it. We write it down. We think about it. Why? Because... It is the word of God. It's always like God doesn't talk to me. I'm like, he's talking all the time. He's spoken, therefore he speaks. But if we don't believe the Bible's helpful and is the word of God to our situation, then we're going to miss being with Jesus. So how often are we engaging? Now, I know statistically speaking, the majority of us are not engaging with the Bible more than one, maybe two days a week, if that. And that's surveys of Christians where they're anonymous so they could be honest. So this isn't a guilt trip. It's an invitation. You want to be like Mary? This one thing I won't take from her, she's done the one thing. Engage with the Bible. Listen to it. Uh, listen to messages about it. Listening to the Bible explained is helpful. Uh, learning about it. We're specifically starting 1 Corinthians next week with the goal of us learning how to learn the Bible so that we'll know it better and that we'll grow in it and we'll gain from it and be transformed. Okay, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Number one is what? Scripture. Number two is prayer. Again, the rest I'm not putting in specific order. But man, two should follow one. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 6. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, they've received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door. Pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we are with Jesus by setting aside time to speak and to listen to him. Now, I'm not putting these in order, but I would say, this is how I do it, I read the Bible first, and then I pray. Here's why. As I make my way through the Bible, conviction comes. Clarity comes. My mind is open to what God is thinking, and that guides my prayer for the moment, for the day. So you could pray before reading the Bible, you could pray after reading the Bible, but it seems like when we're sitting and thinking about God's thoughts, it would draw us into response and say, God, you know, when I read this, you know my heart, you know my desire, but I'm falling short. Or man, I'm forgetting your promise. God, today, 
I'm standing on this promise from you. Everything around me saying, I can't. You're saying, I can because of you. God, give me the courage to, whatever it is. And it, it changes often. And this can take all sorts of forms. This can be like Jesus said. Now, Jesus was comparing religious leaders who did it as a show. So, so the discipline or the practice of prayer is never to sound. You ever like listen to someone's prayer in public and think, man, I wish I could pray like that. You're like, man, they were so eloquent, they were so deep. And okay, they got a little practice and they're poetic in their voice, but who cares? The Father who knows you pouring your snotty crying or desperate cry alone, he rewards. So you're never wasting time. You say, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. I don't hear him. I don't sense him. The training, the discipline of carved out time in Scripture and then speaking and then listening, it's just, it's beneficial. So, okay, question. First one was, how regularly are you engaging with the Bible? Second one is, how regularly are you carving out time to simply listen to God? And, and that, could be, that could be 15 minutes as a discipline, as, as a staff when we meet for planning on Tuesdays, almost always, not every time, but most often, we just take the first 15 minutes for everyone to be away by themselves to listen to God. 15 minutes. Why 15? Well, that's a great place to start. But then we come and we share the things that have been impressed in our time of listening. And that leads to more time of, wow, wow, wow. And we learn and we grow. It doesn't have to be complex. It actually just has to happen. So it's possible to have the gym membership and never touch the equipment. It's possible to have a Bible and the Bible not have you. It's possible to have 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week, which God has graced us equally. Financially, we're all over the map. Some have a ton, some have little. Everyone has what God has provided. But when it comes to time, we all have the same amount. Some are more disciplined in the time invested in the presence of God. Why? Because he's God. And he's worth it. And he's a rewarder. All right. Third. Now, I'm not saying that these are in order because they're not in order. But if you read the Bible and you pray, it seems to be number three makes sense. Community. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles. Remember that Jesus called the 12. The apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled at all with the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court, so it was big, and they broke bread in their homes. It was small, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Someone made good guac, and everyone rejoiced, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord had added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's, what's the benefit? We are with Jesus by doing life with other Jesus followers. So what you see in the text is a real commitment to the people of God, which we would call the church. A commitment to the big. They met in the large space, in the temple courts. They didn't shrink back from the larger community and communion of God's people. And there is 
there's movement towards getting away from the big. COVID had taught us we don't need the big. No. That's what you picked up by reading that feed and reading that blog and reading that rant. God has always loved the big. Why? He loves each one of his kids. All of them, even the ones you choose to not be with, he loves the commitment to the larger, but they did it also in homes, and that's why it seems like if we're reading our Bible and creating space to be with God, that we would also talk about what we're learning, a.k.a. the three of these are the essence of what a community group is. And we want to practice it. We go as a church eight weeks long. We ask you for a commitment to eight weeks. If you miss one, uh, if you miss two, you're, you're out because of work, you're out ill, whatever. But we're choosing to say no to the, I'm tired. Well, then go to bed early. Or like have a protein shake. Like literally, like the, the excuses we come up with why we can't be with God's people when you look at it objectively, they're actually laughable most of the time. If we listen to ourselves, we'd say, that was really my reasoning? No, we need God's people. Why? We are the body. The body has many parts. And you were fitted for me. And I was fitted for you. And I need you. I'm in a community group actively, not just to tick off a box and say, well, I guess if I'm calling people to it, I, I should do it. No, I need my brothers and sisters, I'm leaning in. I look forward to, I'm, I'm engaging with, because I want to grow. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I have more theological training than anyone in my group, but that is meaningless. I'm a learner. I'm there to receive. And if I can give something as well, great. And we got little babies in our group, so I just hold them so mom and dad can learn. And I'm a baby hog, and I get to enjoy others, kids, and then give them back. <laughs> so, <laughs> diaper change. Been there, done that. Okay, so question. Have you regularly prioritized Jesus' people in your life? Are you making that a practice? If we want to be with Jesus, part of the with Jesus is being in a room with other Jesus. This is being with Jesus right now. This is part of the experience. All right, number four. And again, I was joking about the not being in order. This isn't in order. Literally, four through nine, I just put as is it came to me. Fasting. Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. When you fast, can we read this together, the first three words? One, two, three. When you fast. Did you notice the first word? Conviction. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They just figure their faces to show they're fasting. They try to impress. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Use like a lotion. Wash your face. Look good so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting. Only your father who's unseen and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So we're with Jesus by going without food for a set amount of time to focus on our hunger for God. So fasting is a discipline. Now, I am, not, I am not talking about intermittent fasting to lose weight, which works. Uh, but, but hear me. 
that's, that's for a goal. And if that works for you and your doctor approves, there's my legal caveat, uh, then, then, then do that. What I'm talking about is I want to live hungry for a moment because I want my hunger for God. And when I'm reminded that my stomach is hungry, I'm reminding my soul, I need God. You are the bread of life, Jesus. You are the living water, Jesus. If I don't have bread, if I don't have water, if I don't have food, if I don't have water, I can't live. I'm, remind, I'm using the practice of reminding myself that every good gift comes from God, and so I'm saying no to the good gift because I want the giver of the gift more than the gift itself. And so for some of you, you say, like, man, I've never done that before. Well, in growing to be with Jesus, this is a tool. It's not the end all. It's not about missing the food. It's about taking the time. If it would take you 10 minutes to put together your meal, 10 minutes to eat it, then take the 20 minutes and listen to, I would encourage you, listen to worship music that is scripture connected. Listen to the Bible. Sit and just be silent in the presence of God because that is food for your soul. And so I, I do this often. I didn't always. I hated fasting because I thought you had to do it for like seven days to be godly and realize, man, I would die. But I realized then that, that, that the Jewish, the Hebraic fast was breakfast and lunch, sundown to sundown. So after dinner, you don't eat anything overnight and the next day until dinner. And I realized, oh, I can actually do that. And so normally for me, I'll just, I'm just, I'm sharing it, not to pat myself on the back, but say that when I'm preparing messages for Sunday, I'll often fast that breakfast and lunch that I'm working on it because I want to hunger for God. I want, God, what do you want to say? I get the responsibility to stand up and to share God's word with people. God, what do you, I want to be open. I don't want to be distracted. God, I want you. Sometimes I'll do it on a, a Sunday morning. God, I want your presence to fill my life. I don't need food. You're the bread from heaven. And so I need you more than I need breakfast. You get what I'm saying? You can do this. You could do one meal one day a week. You could do two meals one day a week. You could do one meal every other day. It doesn't make a difference to when, but discipline matters. So how regularly do you live hungry to enhance your hunger for God? See, this is not, this is not rocket science. It just requires thought, and it requires calendar. So I think about uh, when I'm going to fast. And I think about why, and God meets me there. Is it always spectacular? No. Sometimes I just hear my stomach going, and it's not, a, it's not attractive. You're in a room, and you're fasting, and you get the gurgles. And it's like, yeah, sorry, that was me. Um, but, but okay, I, I want God. And so this is something we can grow in. Uh, he said, well, I, I don't know if I could do that. I'll, I'm fasting right now. Again, I'm, this isn't show and tell. I wanted today to be filled with food from above, so I ate late lunch last night, and then I just haven't eaten. I won't eat till after this is said and done. I'm recording some videos and that stuff, and when my time here is done, it's like feast and football. Hallelujah. And, and so I'm looking forward to those moments of joy, but right now I'm like, no, I don't need food. What I need is the Spirit of God. You got it? You can do it. If I can do it, and I love food, you can do it. Number five, 
And again, these are, these honestly are not in order. Solitude. Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. So prayer is one thing. Aloneness is another tool, but they're often combined. So we're with Jesus by stepping away from distractions. And this, in our age, is probably one of the most important disciplines for us to grow in because from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, devices are controlling us. Devices, email, text, socials, apps. All, the modern life is wonderful in that with this little thing, I can go to the moon. More technology in here than the original moon voyages, if they really happen. Ooh, conspiracy theory. <laughs> Whatever. You just needed, you needed to be lightened up a bit. You're looking a little intense right now. So some of you are like, they didn't really happen? They did happen? What? Okay. That's what you got from today. Solitude. Quiet. Alone time. So uh, how often do you carve out space to be with Jesus? So it's often combined with reading the Bible. It's often combined with prayer. But it could just be alone time in a walk in the park because God made it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I want to be in the middle of what God made to reset my mind. I want to be away from all my digital distractions. We need this. So for, my, for me, Fridays, uh, our, our team has off Fridays and Saturdays. Saturday is wacko for me because I'm getting ready for Sunday. So Friday is the day. And so uh, Carmen, she works at least till noon, one o'clock. And Alina, she goes to school. So that's my, my time. So I'll use it in various ways. Sometimes it's just a walk. Sometimes it's a run. I have trouble being alone and static. I can't sit. But my alone time with God is walking. Because in the walking, I see things more clearly. So we got trails by our house. I'll just walk. And I'll put in my AirPods. And I'll just talk to God because people think I'm on the phone. And I do it all the time. And I, I'll even do the... Oh, hi. Okay, so how are you? Have a great, great, yeah, wonderful. And put it back in and talk to God. Because I don't want to look like a space cadet, right? <laughs> Going back to the lunar landing. Uh, so you got to figure out your thing. Could be 30 minutes. Could be a whole morning. Could be a day. Could be carved out once a month, extended time. It doesn't matter the frequency. What matters is discipline. You start with a five Minute run, you build to a 10-minute run. Why? Because you can gain more benefit by going longer. So I, I encourage you, if you're not used to solitude, make it a 30-minute adventure and then end that thing before you're like, I can't do this anymore. You may find the next time is 45 and you haven't gotten started yet. And you go to a half day, you're like, half day is not enough. No, I want a weekend. And every mom is saying, I want a weekend. I want a weekend. Uh, may God give it to you. Number six, um, and may your husband give it to you as well. Uh, witness. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are with Jesus by sharing his good news with others. Some of us may not see this as a way to be with Jesus. Listen, whenever we make the effort to pray for someone, Whenever we make the effort to talk with someone, 
about the good things that Jesus is doing in our world, whenever we share good news and invite people to consider following Jesus, we are being with them. The Spirit of God is at work inside of us. And so, well, isn't that an activity? That's not like contemplative. That's not like building you up. Let me tell you, the more I share my faith, the more I'm built up in my faith. The more you answer people's questions who are skeptical, the more you are realizing the Spirit is working within you. The more someone asks something that's probing and challenging, and you say, look, let me get back to you. That's a great question I haven't thought about. It causes me to be with Jesus and to learn the answer and to come back. The point is, our witness to other people is part of our being with Jesus. So let me ask you, who are you praying for? That you would be given the open door this week to share good news with them. Who are you seeking out? Who do you love because they're your neighbor? And you want them to know Jesus like you do. That's part of the being with Jesus. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve, give his life as a ransom for many. He loves people. That's why God sent his son. So we would do well at asking God, something like, I don't want to, I don't want to share my faith. I'm scared. Aha. This is training. It's discipline to ask God to grace you with courage and then watch God give you courage. This is part of how we grow. Number seven, generosity. Luke 16, verses 10 to 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You see, we're with Jesus as we use time and talents and resources that he has given to us well. And so Jesus has provided us all with the equal amount of time. He's provided us with all different forms of resource. Some of you, you don't have a lot of financial resource, but you have time margin resource. Are you using that well? Are, are, you, are you honoring God? He's like, well, I'm working minimum wage and I'm just starting out or I'm in school and I'm trying to pay for school and try to pay for my bills and try to pay for life. Great. Your generosity might be a dollar. A dollar may be a sacrifice. But to use the logic, God, when you give me money, I'll be generous, goes directly against what Jesus just said. He said, if I can trust you with a dollar, I can trust you with so much more. And he's not just talking about material wealth. He's talking about the richness of growing people in the kingdom. So if you want to be with Jesus, let go of some things. I'd encourage you, this is super easy. This week, everyone, we can all go into our closet and find things that we can give away. There are things, you say, well, that's not going to cost you. You already paid for it. It's sitting there. You haven't used it in three years, and it doesn't fit you anymore. <laughs> don't be convicted. I, if that's not you, don't feel it. It doesn't fit. It's too big because you got so trim. It doesn't fit you anymore, right? Some of you went dark on me. Wow. <laughs> Give it away. Do an exchange with people in your community group if you're similar size or style. But the point is, we can all, we can stretch in generosity. Uh, and, and that's generosity here to people in our group. It's also generosity to people that we don't like. 
You want to grow in being like Jesus? Find the person you like the least and ask God, God, what are you inviting me to bless them with? <laughs> Counterintuitive. God, what have you given me that is really for their good? And liberally give it away. It's a stretching. Number eight, serving. Janae's giving away, away tacos in less than an hour. Mark 10, verse 43 to 45. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We're with Jesus as we serve others. And so the question isn't, are you serving? The question is, are you serving to the extent that God would have for you? In what ways are we regularly giving of whatever God's put in our world for the good of others? If Jesus could humble himself and wash his disciples' feet, gross. There are jobs I would want. There are jobs I will avoid. Love your feet, covered in socks. Don't need to see them. Definitely don't want to touch them. And Jesus modeled. He took Judas Iscariot's feet, and he knew that Judas was going to kiss him on the cheek and hand him over to the Romans, and he would be crucified. And Jesus washes Judas's feet anyway. We can learn to be with Jesus by loving people. Number nine, and again, these were not, the first three were, you know that by now. First three were in order, I think. The rest is just helpful. Sabbath. Mark 2, 27-28. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we are with Jesus as we stop one day a week. So Sabbath is an invitation to stop and worship and enjoy. And in context there, the Sabbath had become such a form and a ritual that people were mad at Jesus for doing good on the Sabbath, saying, how could you heal someone on God's Sabbath? And he's like, you guys are crazy. Sabbath is an invitation to life with God and joy. And so this person who is blind now sees they were crippled. They're now set free, and you're mad at me. And oh, by the way, if your animal falls into a pit, you'll pick them out. But you're mad at me because I'm loving people. And so Sabbath isn't a ritual. Sabbath is an invitation to ongoing weekly rhythms of hard work and rest and joy. And by the way, in the Western world, we say, like, well, I need rest because many, not all, if you own your own business, you're never off, but many get a weekend off. In their culture, everyone works six days. Everybody works six days. And God said, rest one day. So we're quasi-spoiled in many of our work environments in that we're actually given two days away, not, not all, but many, given two days away from regular rhythms of work. So we could take one of those two days and say, well, that's housework and, you know, you know the stuff. But we can set aside one day for us as a team as Fridays. So here's a simple discipline. Turn everything off. I turn my email off. I don't turn my phone off because my daughter's still in school and emergencies do happen. But if you text me, more than likely, I will text you back on Saturday. Because Friday is set apart to enjoy life. And I'll, I'll go for a run. I'll go golf. I'll spend extra time in the Bible. We'll watch movies. 
we eat, it's just, it's set aside. The normal stuff is, is not as important as remembering that God made me for himself, and I'm not that important. I'm just not. I am not a machine. I don't have to work seven days a week. I don't have to be on call all the time. I was created by God for God, and the weekly rhythm of stopping, turning, somebody's still stuck at, you turn your email off, like you go into settings, you go to mail, and you unclick all of it, and it gives me like, yes, 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 gone. Don't even care. And you know what? Saturday comes, and the world was fine, and I am better. I'm better if I don't Sabbath for two to three weeks because life took over and I'm traveling, I'm antsy, I'm not good because I'm trying to do godlike life in an ungodlike manner. And I think the same could be said for all of us. All right, look, look at all nine. Those of you who didn't take your phone out, just take your phone out now and click. Scripture, prayer, community, fasting, solitude, witness, generosity, serving, Sabbath. These are not the only tools but they are all in the Bible and gifts from above. So I think we could start here. And I have two questions to ask you that you'll actually answer in your group. We're going to respond with receiving communion. We're going to respond with songs of praise. We're going to respond by opening of our lives for prayer in a moment. But let me just ask you these two questions. Number one, which practice or practices come most naturally to you? Talk in your group about that. Because for all of us, we're going to lean naturally in some direction. And then two, which ones have you yet to explore? Some of you have never tried solitude, everything off with the goal of being with Jesus. Some of you have never tried fasting. Some of you struggling with generosity. Whatever it is, let's be honest one with another, not as a act of show and tell and look how great I am, but a confession to say, I've got room to grow. I'm great on the treadmill. You just don't want me around weights. The, the weight training is harder for me and less enjoyable. I'll just keep running forever. But weight, so, so I need to grow in weight training. But cardio, I, I, that's natural for me. I love the runner's high. Those of you who have been there, you know, like, oh, I feel like I can breathe deeply. And I, everything is great in the world. But after a while, I'm like, boring, 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 boring. So I, I have room to grow. Which, which areas are you called to encourage your brother and sister in their growth? Not look down, not belittle, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach you, and you're going to coach me, and this year we're going to grow. Well, uh, that's a lot to cover. Now we're going to step into doing it, which means we need the grace of Jesus. Why don't you stand at your feet, and we need God's grace. We need God's grace. We need his grace. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing to God because he's the giver of all good things. And let me tell you right now, he's already shaped you to grow. He's already empowered you to grow. He's already prepared for you to grow. Now he's inviting you to participate in your own growth. Train yourself to be what? Godly. And if you put in the work of taking the time to be with Jesus, Jesus will do the reshaping of your heart and life. Lord, we are your people called by your name, transformed when we received your Holy Spirit 
given a new heart, new mind, new desires. All this is gift from you. But now, because we've been graced and gifted with your wonderful love, God, we don't want to live stagnant, boring. We don't want to live unfruitful lives. No. We want to grow in the grace that you've been given to us. So God, cause us in these next few weeks and months as we get together in homes and around tables, give us the courage to be honest, Lord, we pray. And Lord, would you use us as your body, equally loved but differently gifted? Would you put us together in such beautiful ways so that I will be strengthened because my sisters and brothers, and they will be strengthened because I'm in the room, and together we'll just lean in on your life-giving power and never be the same. God, we ask for that. This year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Sunday Gathering Podcast. To learn more about 26 West Church, please visit our website at 26westchurch.org.